Hello, Molo, Sawbona, Jumbo, and welcome to Every Nation Durban. We are part of a global family of churches with a purpose to honor God by establishing Christ-centered, spirit-empowered, socially responsible churches and campus ministries in every nation. You can find us in big cities like London, New York, Paris and Joburg. You can also find us in nations like Bangladesh, Botswana, China and even Hawaii. In Durban, we have a local vision of being a healthy church that starts other healthy churches. Our mission is reach, disciple, impact. We want to reach every person, every campus, and every nation. Join the. Good morning. Good morning, good morning. It is good to see you. It is great to be with you. My name is Richard. Uh, I know we have been introduced with my wife Jackie, and uh, it is always a privilege to stand in front of a community that is new to us, but uh, serves the same God as us. And uh, it really, really is. I don't take for granted just the privilege of being able to stand up front here and uh, share some scriptures, share something of the journey of God with me. And, uh, and I really do trust will be an encouragement uh, and a gift to you as I open up something of the scriptures and God into this space. And so thank you for receiving me. Uh, thank you for having us. Uh, I am sorry. I, I did tell Wayne that all seven of our kids were going to be here today. Um, but that was not thought through by me, which was not a very good uh, leadership. I'm talking about leadership, but I didn't do very well uh, because I didn't yet confirm that all of our kids weren't yet or weren't serving at Anthem today. And so we've had to drop off all of our kids. Uh, they're serving there. Uh, but as a family, uh, they do uh, love to be with us as we come to be in other communities. And so we really do love Wayne at Jackson. I really do love Wayne and Trish. Uh, your pastors, uh, they are good friends. Uh, we happen to live in the same road. And Wayne takes me for a run every Tuesday morning. Uh, I, I'm not quite sure if he's trying to be helpful or not because I end up uh, always in worse condition than him on a Tuesday. But we, we pray together. We run and then we pray. And uh, I think it's incredible when... I have the privilege of leading Anthem, and I can pray with another leader who prays for our community that we lead. And likewise, I want you to know that uh, every Tuesday morning, I get to pray for you uh, as I'm in that moment with Wayne. And so, although I'm seeing you, thank you, thank you, but although I'm seeing you for the first time, uh, you've been hidden in my heart for the better part of 18 months as we have been running together. Alrighty, so, Navasha, uh, I, well, I don't know, it wasn't your fault that it's your birthday today, but uh, Sandila kind of made me a little embarrassed because I want to play out something that happened last Sunday in Anthem, if I may. I was on the stage at Anthem. It was my wife's birthday last Sunday. Well, it was actually last Saturday, but... And this is how my birthday message went. Happy birthday, love. All right, let's get on with everything that's going on here. And, uh, and so seeing what you did, I might have to ask you to come next Sunday and we can replay my wife's birthday. Uh, that was amazing. Uh, it really, really was amazing. You taught, uh, you taught me something in that moment, but I'm not going to sing because uh, that's not my gift. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 7 to 11 was a passage that you looked at last week. Uh, and I love 
verse 7. I think you actually looked at verse 8 to 11, if, if the notes uh, that I received from Wayne are correct. But uh, any which way, 1 Corinthians 12 verse 7 says this, Now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. And then it goes on and it lists a whole lot of gifts. And that's what you looked at last week. Uh, and I think the week before, as you are in this gifted series. And so I want to uh, look at uh, something that's going to be coming out of Romans chapter 12, uh, a list of gifts, but focusing on the gift of leadership. Uh, and so uh, I stand before you. I, I, uh, the testimony would be that the grace of, the, the grace of God is on me for leadership. Uh, and so Wayne has asked me to come and deposit something of that gift into you as every nation. And so I want to state that up front, that that's where we're going to land. But I want to take us on a little bit of a journey around the Spirit of God and the gifts that he gives, if we can do that. Is it all right? And so I'm going to break it up into three categories based on 1 Corinthians 12 verse 7, which is this. To each one, the manifestation of the gifts for the common good. Is that all right? So we're going to go on that progression. And so we're going to start with this, to each one, because I think it is so crucial that we understand that as we come into salvation, as we accept Jesus Christ our Lord and Savior, the Spirit of God is given to each one. And I'm so acutely aware that there may be some of you sitting in this auditorium that feel uh, probably one of a couple of things. Maybe you feel like you are not worthy of the Spirit of God giving you a gift for the sake of the church. Maybe you feel that you once had a gift and God has taken it away from you. Maybe you have been given a gift and you're sitting on it. And it could be one or two other things. And so I want to encourage us this morning at the starting point, because I know we're going to land on leadership, and leadership is not a gift that's given to everybody. But we start with, to each one, there is some shape or form of gift given for the common good. And so every single person sitting in this room that has given their life to Jesus Christ is one. And so you can sit here knowing that God has deposited something in you, whether you have explored that or not, that is just waiting to be given for the good, for the common good. And we'll look at something of that a little bit later. And so uh, I'm going to start with a story to each one. A couple thousand years ago, so we're going uh, a couple centuries before Jesus Christ, uh, Israel turned their back on God as their king. And they were asked for a human leader, which displeased God because he was their king. But uh, Israel said, we want to have a king like every other nation of the world. We want to submit ourselves to a human king. And we know that displeased God because at the depths of our hearts there is wickedness, there is selfishness. And when we get to leadership and rulership, we like to serve our own benefits, to have benefit for ourselves. And so what would happen in olden day kingdoms is there would be a whole lot of villages and towns that would be far away from where the king operated, uh, from the capital city. And it wasn't like today where we've just got WhatsApp or a phone call or a FaceTime or whatever else or Zoom. Uh, people would have to go. If a king was going to send out a decree, people would have to physically get onto a horse, get onto a donkey, get onto their feet and walk between village to village to village to village to give something of the king's edict, something of what the king wanted to talk about. 
So what happened over time was the, the wickedness in people's heart was, okay, I can live in this village. The guys in the other village don't know me. I can go and pretend to be a herald of the king. And so I'm going to go and I'm going to say, hey, the king has increased your taxes by 3%. And he's told me that I've got to collect them on his behalf. Meanwhile, there's no such edict and there's no such order. Just the wickedness of men. So what, just fast forward a little bit, what developed was kings needed to authorize. They needed to show some kind of authorization for their heralds. So that towns and villages were not caught out by imposters. Not caught out by those that did not represent the king. And so what the common, uh, the, the common thing that became the sign or the authentic authentication of the king was a a bit of wax got melted to seal the scroll and the king would have an insignia a sign it would be uh, sometimes people have family crests uh, or or something then and it would often be what would call a signet ring so it would be an imprint on the king's ring the wax would be melted the king would uh, put an impression upon it and then it was up to that herald as he went to the towns to the villages he couldn't break that seal until such time as he got into that town. And that would authenticate him as a herald, but it was crucially important that the people of the town knew what the king's signature was. If the people didn't know what the king's signature was, they could still be had for a fool. You with me? Okay. Ephesians chapter 2, 13 and 14. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Having believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. So Paul writes this to the church in Ephesus. Kingdoms are operating in this way that there is a from the seal, from the, the, there is a seal that comes on behalf of the king. There is a mark. And so Paul uses that same language for those of us that now come under the kingship of Jesus Christ, that you are marked with a seal. That mark, if you go into a bit of historical context, had four, uh, uh, four things attached to it. One, it was to make an impression. Two, it was to authenticate. Three, it was for proof of identity. Four, it was for marking property to make sure one's rights over would be respected. This is what Paul is teaching us that the Spirit of God has given to us for. Where as we come to accept Jesus, the Spirit of God is given to us as a mark of the seal of the King. So that we can be authenticated. We can be impressed upon. We can have proof of identity as we walk through the streets. People can know whose we are. That we have protected rights as belonging to the king. As a herald for the king. And so when the word is given, uh, as Paul writes to the Corinthian church, to each one, the manifestation of the spirit. I want to tell you, friends, that each one of you, Again, who has committed their life to Jesus Christ, who has come under his kingship, you have been marked. You have been impressed upon. You have been authenticated. You do have a proof of identity as belonging to Jesus. This is your station in life. This is who you have become under the king, the kingship of Jesus. And so our journey towards the gifts of God 
the manifestation of the gifts of God begins with a marking and a sealing as we repent, as we turn, as we come before the king and he deposits something in us, his very spirit. And so, so often, and I know it's not the case with this church because I know Wayne and Trish and I know how much they love the spirit of God and you will be well trained in that. But I want to say it anyway. Too often we think of Emmanuel being God with us, being Jesus Christ, who was God with humanity. But we forget that Jesus says, it is better for you that I go, that another may come. So we forget about Emmanuel, who is God with us present, who is the Spirit of God with us personally. And I want to remind you today that Emmanuel is not only sitting in heaven on the throne next to God the Father. Emmanuel is also with us now, God the Holy Spirit. To each one, to you ma'am, to you sir, to you ma'am, to each one, to each one, everyone in this room is marked. I'm going to read a couple of scriptures just to help encourage us. This, Because maybe they are sitting here this morning who just need a little bit extra to get over the line. Romans 8, 9 and 10 says this, however you are not in the flesh but in the spirit, if indeed the spirit of God dwells in you. I, I won't read the rest. John fourteen 17, I'm just going to shoot through these. The spirit of truth, the world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. John fourteen twenty three. Jesus replied, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My father will love them and we will come to them and make our home with them. I love all of this language. Dwell with you, live with you, be in you, make our home with you. And we cry out like David did. Who are we, God, that you would give consideration to us? That you would make your home with us. Levasha didn't quote this text, but was speaking from this text. Romans 8, 13 and 14. For if you live according to the sinful nature, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. Because those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. We stand as heirs, friends, co-heirs with Jesus Christ to each one. To each one is given. I want to, as I close off this first point, to each one, please do not accept Jesus' words on the cross. It is finished. Where he gave his life, where we should have given ours. Do not believe those words. It is finished. And not believe the words that Jesus taught us as he introduced the person of the Holy Spirit where he said, it is better for you that I go, that another may come. We can't believe only for salvation. But there is something more. God with us. It is better for you. And so today, to each one, to each one, we are marked with a seal. The Spirit of God has been given. Now we move on to just a second. The manifestation of the Spirit. Acts chapter 1 verses 4 and 5 says this. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father. Which he said, you heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So we know that John's baptism was a baptism of repentance, but the baptism of the Spirit of God is a baptism to new life. 
It was the Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead. We were singing uh, about this, just reminding ourselves, remember Him, look to Him, look at Him. The grave where Jesus lay, having exchanged His life for ours. I want to tell you, friends, in His humanity, powerless to be raised, or to raise Himself. But by the power of the Spirit of God upon Him, raised to life. To become the first to be raised to life. And all of us to follow. And so this Spirit of God comes to baptize us. So yes, we are marked. Yes, there's an impression made upon us. Yes, we are authenticated. But then there's this baptism, this daily surrender to the Spirit of God. And baptism can look like many things, and uh, I, I don't know what the theology in this church, and so I'm not here to, to give a theology on the baptism. But I think at its very core basis is this, that we would surrender to the work of the Spirit of God ongoingly in our lives. And that can be in a moment on the laying out of hands, which we are going to do a little bit later. And the Spirit of God can baptize you and come upon you and empower you with gifts and power. And it can be done Daily, as we sit in our beds or wherever we have our quiet times, as we pray out and we say, God, would you, Spirit of God, lead me today? Would you presence yourself with me today? Would I know your power today? It's not one size fits all. It's about people surrendered to the Spirit of God working in their lives. And so Jesus was full of the Spirit and giving of the Spirit He was able to live a life that was spirit-filled, spirit-empowered, and spirit-led. You see, friends, when we want to look at the work of the Spirit of God, uh, our our starting point, I love what Wayne said as I listened to his message from last week, uh, is that Jesus is the model. If we want to know how the Spirit of God moves, look at Jesus. Fully human and yet fully God. And when we read the scriptures, God did not once lean into his divinity for his own sake. The only times he led into his, uh, he, 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 he pressed into his divinity was for the sake of others. Every time he had something personally to deal with, wrestle with, he cried out to God and said, Spirit of God, would you help me? He relied upon the Spirit of God to help him in his humanity when it was about himself. Fully divine. Fully human. After Jesus' baptism, it goes on to say, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit. Do you know what a life full of the Holy Spirit looks like? Do you want to know how to tell if someone is, excuse me, living a life full of the Holy Spirit? They should take on the impression of Jesus. That's what the king does when he seals. He puts an impression which authenticates. And so every day, we should grow in the impression of Jesus. It would indicate the work of the Spirit of God in our lives. And so today, I should be less racist than I was a year ago. Today, I should be more kind than I was a year ago. Today, I should be more generous than I was a year ago. Because the Spirit of God, as I surrender to Him and as He baptizes me and as I give myself to His work, as the King authenticates me, my impression becomes more like Jesus. And therefore, when I stand before people, I am authenticated. 
You with me? We okay? Jesus was empowered by the Spirit of God. Scripture is empowered by the Spirit of God. We are empowered by the Spirit to follow Jesus. And we are empowered by the Spirit to become His witnesses. And so this leads me on to the third point where we're going to just spend a little time here. For the common good. To each one, all of you are included. Is given the manifestation of the Spirit. We all have access to the Spirit of God. If we will surrender ourselves, He can manifest Himself through us. Authenticate us, impression Himself upon us. For the common good. And here we're going to go into Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. Just before uh, the the scripture comes on, because I'm only starting up on the text here from verse 3, but I want to read verse 1 and 2. Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. Our gifts cannot conform to the pattern of this world. Our leadership cannot conform to the patterns of this world. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing and perfect will. Okay, now we can hit it. Thank you. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith that God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of you, just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we though many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Many gifts. You looked again last week, 1 Corinthians 12. You looked at a set of gifts. This week, Romans 12. uh, It was 1 1 Corinthians 10. 1 Corinthians 12. I've lost track. This week, Romans chapter 12. Many gifts. The scriptures go on and we can break them up any which way we want. Some are motivational gifts. Some are what would be called spiritual gifts. Some would be vocational gifts. It gives grace. The manifestation of the Spirit of God for the common good. I I really want to emphasize this. That at the base of every grace you have, it is for the sake of others. It is for the sake of others. We are never to use the grace of God for our own benefit or glory. Even as Andile? Ayanda? Even as Ayanda excellently taught us. excellently spoke around Hezekiah. We use a grace from God for our own benefit and own showing off and our own ego and our own glory. And so church, for the common good, for the common good, Wayne has asked me to just speak on the gift of leadership. And so I want to present some elements of the gift of leadership to us. And I'm, I'm acutely conscious 
that in this room, not everybody has the gift of leadership. If everybody was a leader, there would be no followers. And God puts leadership for seasons. Sometimes I have to tuck my leadership away for a little bit, depending on the season, depending on the community, because it's never for my benefits. So I don't need to lead for my benefit. There's only when there's a context for me to lead in. Then the gift gets expressed. And so I'm not looking for context to lead in. God will lead me to context to lead in. Likewise, prophesying, teaching, serving, hospitality, or we get it. We're talking about leading, but so many of them can transfer across the gifts. And so it talks about if it is to lead, to do it diligently. To do it diligently. Now we know uh, Romans chapter 1 and 2 introduced the concept of what they were talking around, the gifts, and just saying we don't do it as the world does it. And Jesus tells us this in Mark chapter 10, verses 42 to 45. Jesus called them, the disciples, to him, and he said to them, You know that those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them. And they, they, the great ones exercise authority over them, but it shall not be so among you. I wonder what had happened that Jesus had to call his disciples together. To start to say, hey, am I seeing something in you that is not our way? This is not so with you. Whoever would be great among you must be your servant. John, stop asking for the favorite seat. Must be your servant. Whoever would be first among you must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So here we go. Number one, gift of leadership. Okay, let me start with this. I'm going to set you up. Who desires the gift of leadership? All right. Thank you for your honesty. It's great. Leadership, in a not worldly sense, but in a heavenly sense, looks like Jesus. What does that mean? It means this. It's far more than serve. It means public humiliation on a cross for the alignment of heaven. The victory that Jesus won was in private. The alignment of heaven came with a public humiliation. You want leadership, you need to know that public humiliation is part and parcel of the job. You see, a leader's primary responsibility is to align people's lives with heaven. It's to align people's lives with the kingdom of God. And so everything that I do as a leader is about alignment with heaven, alignment with heaven, alignment with heaven. And if I'm leading somebody in an individual basis, it's how can I align your life to heaven? If it's in a corporate space, how can I align you to heaven? What does the enemy hate more than anything else in this world is an alignment with heaven. You want the gift of leadership, please be prepared for public humiliation, even though God will raise you in private. No one was there to witness his resurrection. No one was there to witness the Father's approval of the Son. Gift of leadership, not by the world's standards, but by God's standards, is the same way of Jesus. That's what service looks like. Public humiliation, private approval. Can we handle it? Can we handle it? See, leadership is the act of influencing and serving others out of Christ's interest in their lives so that they can accomplish God's purpose 
for them. In other words, it is the role of bringing alignment in people's lives to the patterns and the power of heaven. And it comes at a cost. Redemption comes at a cost. Redeeming people's lives, helping people redeem their lives back to the order of heaven. Redeeming is to purchase back. It comes at a cost. There's always a cost. So I'm going to just look at ten principles of leadership. I'm going to go through them quite quickly because my idea here is not to dive deep into them. You guys, as you meet in your connect groups, as you continue to work this out, uh, I would encourage debate around these things. Uh, And again, when we come to leadership, the scripture is full of examples of leadership. And I... uh, We don't have time to go through a full exegesis of the scriptures on what leadership is about. So I've picked one text that will just help us because I think the text covers a whole lot in a very short space of time. And so we're going to go to Exodus chapter 18. And there's 10 things that come out of this. 10 things that come out. Exodus chapter 18, verses 15 to 23, if you're taking notes. Uh, These are on the notes that are going to come out with your iConnect document. Thing, piece of paper, WhatsApp, that thing that you get. I'm going to start in verse 23 and then go back and look at the first nine. Because verse 23 lands us in what good leadership looks like. The gift of leadership. Let's read verse 23. It says this. If you do this and God so commands, you will be able to stand the strain and all these people will go home satisfied. Good leadership. The grace of God, the manifestation of the spirit of the gift of leadership leaves people satisfied. If people are not satisfied, good leadership has not been exercised. So we're going to start at the end. Good leadership. Number one, the goal of leadership is to leave people satisfied. Sometimes people don't know what truly satisfies them, and so the art of leadership is to get them to recognize what truly satisfies. Not by manipulation, just but by leading. All right, let's look. Let's look. We're going to go to verse 15. Ten principles of leadership. Just coming from Exodus chapter 18, verse 15. We're going to first ask the question of just are you, do you carry the gift of a leader? Do you feel that there is leadership, the grace gift of leadership in your life? Well, to answer that question, uh, we're going to read from verse 15. Moses answered him, because the people come to me. So very simply, if you want to recognize whether there is the leadership in you, whether there is the mark of leadership, do people come to you? Do people come to you? Very simple question. And then it goes on for a little bit. Well, what what should they come to you for? It goes on in number two. So a leader meets with God because the people come to me to seek God's will. To seek God's will. You see, I'm acutely aware of being a leader. I love reading. No, no, let me rephrase that. I don't love reading. I do a lot of reading because I know it's good for me. And I can read leadership, I can consume leadership books. But I also know that my leadership is not rooted in worldly practice. 
My leadership is rooted in meeting with God. And there comes a moment in people's lives where they stop coming to you where you keep giving worldly wisdom because they can get that for themselves off of Google. What people want is an alignment with heaven. What people need is an alignment with heaven. And so a mark of leadership is are you as a leader meeting with God? Are people coming to you to find God's pattern and ways and alignment with heaven? That's a mark of leadership. So maybe you're sitting in this room and you desire leadership and maybe you, you know that you don't have it and you're trusting that on the laying on of hands that the Spirit of God will, will come and deposit that with you today. Uh, that's great. That's what I'm trusting for. So you don't have to be despondent if you don't recognize these. Maybe you think you're a leader. And these marks should be present in our lives to varying degrees as we mature and grow. Number three, we're going to go to verse 16. It says this, whenever they have a dispute, it is brought to me and I decide between the parties and inform them of God's decrees and instructions. A leader knows God's laws and decrees, knows God's word. Can you quote God's word? Do you know God's word? Do you know how to string the scriptures together? Not just take one scripture out of, uh, out of alignment of the trajectory of the redemptive story and narrative of God written through the scriptures. There is study that goes with that. There is presence of God with us. So a leader knows God's laws. Number three. That number four. Verse 18 says this. You and these people who come to you will only wear yourselves out. The work is too heavy for you. You cannot handle it alone. A leader has to know his capacity. Too often we engage in leadership forums. So, so leadership is a gift again. I've I, I got to stress this, that aligns people with heaven. And so you have conversations at a level which uh, can up the ante a little bit. And so there is the gift of leadership and then there is the gift portion of leadership. Because some are an 8 out of 10 and some are a 3 out of 10. Some are a 1. No, no, that, that makes it sound like you fail. That's not what I mean. Uh, Some are a one-talent leader by the grace of God. Some are a two-talent leader by the grace of God. Some are a five-talent leader by the grace of God. And so to to know our capacity is crucial to us finding and giving the manifestation of the gift for the common good. Someone who's a two out of five operating in an environment that requires a five talent guy is not going to leave people satisfied. Therefore, the common good has not been accomplished. So it is critical. I know so many people, hey, I want to lead, I want to lead, I want to lead. What is the context? What is your capacity? What is the grace that God put? What is your maturity? God, I can recognize leadership in you. That doesn't mean that you can stand on this stage or that stage or that stage. You following? Number five, verse 19. Um, a, 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 leader, a, a leader must be teachable, is teachable. It says this, listen to me now. Listen now to me, and I will give you some advice. Teachability. I love how Jesus, when he was leading his disciples, but there were were concerns and there were things that he was wrestling through. What did he do? He would go to be with the Father and say, God, teach me. Teach me. 
And then you'd be able to go back and deposit, and there would be an alignment of heaven, the common good. The disciples would be able to walk in something, a greater pattern, a greater alignment with the things of the kingdom of God. Number six, a leader must teach others. Verse 20, teach them his decrees and instructions. Show them the way they are to live and how they are to behave. Very crucial. I highlighted all of these things because I could have just stopped there, uh, which many people like, is just teach them his decrees and instructions. No, a leader teaches and shows the way and shows them how to behave by modeling it. How many leaders do we see? Let's just take politics. Leaders who tell you what you should do, but don't show you how you should behave. That does not leave us satisfied. Therefore, the authentication of the Spirit of God, I would venture to say, is not present. Using that as an example. And so can you see how these all tie, that there is an authentication by an impression of, this, of, uh, of Jesus Christ, the life of Jesus, that leaves people satisfied. So this is the progression that we have to go on in terms of understanding the leadership gift. Number seven, a leader recognizes the priesthood. I love this, verse 21. But select capable men from all the people. Leaders are not loners. Friends, I want to, if there is a leader in your sphere who is a loner, avoid them like the plague. It is ungodly. You will not be satisfied. You will be harmed. You see what the mark, uh, the manifestation of the Spirit of God, the manifestation of the grace gift of leadership recognizes a priesthood. And it recognizes that my responsibility, uh, I'm going to use you just, I I know that I'm not your shepherd, but for the sake of, I'm I'm teaching us today, it's it's a case of my my responsibility as a shepherd and as a leader is to, to, to understand who you are as the priesthood, to make sure that your gift and your gift and your gift and your gift and every gift is being able to be played like an orchestra in order for the glory of God to be revealed in the common good. And so if I don't recognize you, I am not bearing the mark of godly leadership. And so any leader who thinks that it is about them or leads in isolation, is not going to leave people satisfied. Number eight, a leader recognizes the capacity of other leaders. I love this, verse 21. So, but select capable men from all the people, men who fear God, trustworthy men who hate dishonest gain, and appoint them over thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens. So here's here's a deal. Um, Something that I do consistently, but not regularly, in the room, and I'd put our leaders in the room, and I'd say, tell us our capacity. What do you see in us? As we've given expression of the manifestation of the gift of leadership, what do you see in us? Richard, I don't think you can hold a platform of this. I do think you can hold a platform for that. I do think that you can lead this many people. I don't think you can lead that many people. It's very humbling when you entrust others to help you with your own apportionment of capacity. And this is what leaders do. So leaders, it's, it's, so one leader says, oh, well, I'm going to appoint you over. I, I think you can do 50. I think you can do 20. I think you can do 10. I think you can do thousands. 
I'm nearly done. I'm conscious of time. Number nine, verse 22, a leader doesn't abdicate responsibility. Have them serve as judges for the people at all times, but have them bring every difficult case to you. One of the most crucial things of leadership is not delegating the crucial tasks, the difficult tasks. Leaders take responsibility. And then point 10, which is what I started with, is the end. These people will go home satisfied. These people will go home satisfied. You see, leaders, friends, bring safety, they bring security, they bring stability, and they bring strength. That is the expression, the manifestation of the grace gift of leadership for the common good of people. And so my last point, and then we're going to pray, is this. What if I don't have the gift of leadership? What if I don't have the gift of leadership? Hebrews 13:17 says this. Have confidence in your leaders and submit to their authority because they keep watch over you as those who must give an account. Do this so that their work will be a joy, not a burden, for that will be of no benefit to you. Leadership is not a gift above any other gift. It is a gift amongst gifts for the common good. Is it a public directing gift? It is a public directing gift. That does not make it better. Without the gift of prophecy, as a leader, I'm dead in the water. Without the gift of discernment in somebody else, as a leader, I'm dead in the water. Without the gift of hospitality, as a leader, I'm dead in the water. I do not stand here thinking that my gift is over all the other gifts. And neither should you if you carry that gift. And so come in and serve. If you don't carry that gift of leadership, find out what your gift is and bring it for the common good. What I'd like to open up with permission is those that desired, that desire the gift of leadership. I don't know what the practice is, is here. There's COVID protocols and there's practice. And so can I lay my hands on people? Okay. If you are comfortable for me to lay my hands on you, I will put a mask on. If you're comfortable for me to lay your hands on, can I call them to the front? I would love for you just to come and stand in the front. Uh, if you are not comfortable for me to lay hands on you. I'm okay with that because Luke chapter 10 says this, the spirit of the Lord fell on all of those who heard the word. I don't need to lay my hands on you for the spirit of God to come upon you. Luke chapter 19 says the spirit of Christ was received when Paul laid his hands on them. And so this is what I started with at the very beginning. The impartation of the spirit of God, the baptism of the Holy Spirit of God, as he, makes, as he seeks to manifest the gift amongst us can be done by the laying on of hands and it can be done after the receiving of the word of God. But I would count it a privilege if I could lay my hands and impart something of the grace of God on me onto you. God's the one that decides. I don't give a gift. God does. But I'd love to pray for you. Can I ask for those that would desire the gift of leadership to come to the front and I'm going to pray and then I would like to pray while they're coming forward. You can come forward. I'm going to pray for the rest of us as a community that the grace of God would be upon you to receive 
the leaders amongst you. So it takes a grace. Also, our, our human hearts can be wicked. We don't like being told what to do. And although leadership shouldn't technically be telling us what to do, it's, uh, I know sometimes it can come across like that. And so even as these guys come to the front, I want to pray for every nation, Durban, and for you online. And I pray, Spirit of God, that this church would receive all gifts, but receive the gift of leads, leaders. We thank you that leaders are given for the common good. Leaders are given for the common good. And so right now, for all of those that are not standing up front and that are not trusting for the gift of leadership, I just pray for a grace to receive leaders. That it may go well with them. That they may go home satisfied. As they pray for, as they engage with, as they embrace leaders in their midst. And so God, even now, as I just take a minute and lay my hands very briefly on each person, I would ask for the impartation, the manifestation of the Spirit of God as the desire, it all starts with desire. Without desire, we won't receive what God has for us. And so I'm grateful for the desire represented here, but I'm also know God that you have appointed times and seasons and men and women for your good. And so would you do this work amongst us, we pray. I'm just going to walk down. I don't know how we do this. I need, I need the music playing because it's just nice. And uh, not that God can work. God can't work without the music, but it really does. It, it helps me. But you're included in this, what I'm about to say. We can't choose what God, who God unlocks and at what time. And I, and I, trust, I trust that everybody that I pray for, that the manifestation of the gift of leadership would be present in your life. But one of the things that even as we read in Exodus chapter 18, was that leaders, by the grace of God, can see something in others, and sometimes the Spirit of God leads. Yeah, thank you. I don't know you as a community in terms of how you organize, how you operate. I don't know you guys. But these three, the Spirit, when, as I laid my hands, the Spirit of God was present. Let's just, church, let's just take a moment. We just honor Richard and Jackie for coming and serving. Jackie, thank you for being the support to Richard and allowing him to do what he does. And thank you for being a blessing to us today. And Anthem, thank you for releasing your leaders to us to come and be uh, a blessing and impart into this community in the city. Um, church, if we can just stand and...
I just want to read something to you. As uh, Richard was ministering, just two, two points stood out. And one was, our lives should be more like Jesus. It should be an impression that causes us to be more like Jesus. Two, it's for the common good. And in John 15, verse 7 and 8, it says, If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you will and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified and honored by this when you bear much fruit. So as you go this week into our different spaces, let these words remain in our hearts. Let the words that we are there going into communities, that our lives should be the impression of Jesus whether it be whether we're interacting with people, our bosses, uh, colleagues, um, employees, whoever we are coming into contact with, let our lives and our impression be more like Jesus for the common good of society, for the common good of bringing people back to Christ, for the common good of pointing people back to heaven. That's what we're here to do. That's what we're here to do this week. So as we go as a church, I pray that you will be blessed as these words resonate in your heart. I pray that you bear much fruit in all you're doing, that your hands bear much fruit, and that we glorify. Thank you for joining Church Online today. We hope that you were inspired and challenged by today's message. We would like to encourage you to join one of our connect groups where you can make friends and discuss the word further. You can message us on 072-606-6747 to join a connect group or to send us any prayer needs you might have. To give your tithes and offering, please visit our website www.enderban.org to get our bank details and zapper code. Have a safe and blessed week.